What if it rained food? What if Earth was a cube? What if we had nine lives? What if bits could fly? It's absurd. If money grew on trees, if we didn't have knees, if we walked through life slightly magnetical, it's absurd. Absurd hypotheticals. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals, the show we overthink dumb questions so you don't have to. I'm your host, Marcus Lehner, and I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hi, guys. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Ben. Guys, we are continuing our never-ending quest today to make every sport in the world significantly better. We we started with baseball because that's obviously the one that needed the most fixing. Did we start with baseball? Is that the first one we did? Mm, I feel like we that was not right. the first one we did. It might have been. I don't know. I don't remember. It, was a long it may time not ago. have actually been baseball. I feel like that's where it, that's what spawned most of these because I really get upset about baseball as like because you really a don't like designer. baseball. And I actually like <laughs> baseball. <laughs> I'm I'm not a particularly big fan of baseball either. I watch baseball. I'm a I'd say I'm a baseball fan, but it's just like there's so many inherent problems with the game itself as you know as far as it relates to entertainment. Like it's is traditional and works, but there's so many issues. Anyway, I've listened to any of the episodes I talk about sports when I have a choice of sport to fix. It's baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I've made like four versions of baseball at this point. Um, but we're not doing baseball today. So you, you can, well, I got my rant in already. Today we're doing a sport I actually quite like, hockey. I don't know about you guys, but I've been watching the new Mighty Ducks series on Disney+. And I like it. That's my review. I like nice. the old Mighty Buck, Mighty Ducks. I just said Mighty Bucks and then Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> Mighty Bucks, the the Mighty Ducks. And the favorite, the Mighty Ducks, taking the <laughs> taking the movie title, but yeah, no, I'll say I, I did rewatch the original Mighty Ducks to prep to watch the Disney show, and it still holds up. It's pretty good. I think it was the first time I watched it in like my adulthood, like where I get the other half of the jokes in the movie, not the, like the kid ones. But that was pretty cool. But we're not talking about the Mighty Ducks. We're talking about regular hockey and how we can make it better. So, Chris, you get to start off. What have you done to make hockey the best sport it can be? So to improve hockey, I was first actually tempted to do like ice hockey underwater, but like upside down, because that idea was cool to me. But then I realized that we already did that, or I already covered it in episode 45. I think we were trying to make every sport in a pool. And I did something similar in basketball where I played, I had every player upside down. And I discovered that they do the same thing with hockey and that actually exists in real life. So that was like 94 episodes ago. But yep, I'm sure people remember. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe people have better memories than we do. If you want to find out more, you have the episode. You can figure it out. You'll you'll get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I ditched the idea of like upside down hockey. But I wanted to, for me, hockey, like playing hockey is a little inaccessible because I can't ice skate. That's a big hurdle for me for playing hockey. I can't ice skate. So I wanted to be like, okay, how can I make hockey more accessible to people who can't ice skate? Can I just get rid of the ice somehow and replace it with something else? I still want the puck to be like slippery or like the floor to be slippery and for like people to move, be moving around like that. And I didn't want there to just, I didn't want to replace the puck with just a ball because that's boring. Um, <laughs> you just end up at soccer at that point. Yeah. And like people do play street hockey with balls. So <laughs> that's not like a new thing. So, yeah, I wanted to make the floor slippery. I was like, how do I do that? So I started to look more into air hockey because that's like we have air hockey tables that blow air up and it makes the puck all slidey and it acts like it's on ice. And that's exactly what I want. So 
Marcus actually has covered air hockey before on the show. Um, it was, I'm going to, I'm going to reference this an even, even older longer episode. Ago. <laughs> it was episode four. It's like episode like, yeah, literal four. <laughs> <laughs> Where we turned every sports ball into a beach ball. And he used like wind jets to make the beach ball float like in air hockey. But he still had the players on ice skates. So people were still skating around. That's not exactly what I want to do. I want to get rid of the ice. So my, my situation is a little different. I'm still going to have like air blowing up, but I want to see like how an actual air hockey table works. So it works. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. The table blows air up and it counteracts the weight of the plastic puck so that the net force is close to zero. So it like glides around. And in order to make the puck glide, the table needs to blow like around 0.008 PSI. Uh, So it's very little amount of air. Um, I was like, okay, if we size this up for like real hockey, how does that get more extreme or does it get more extreme? So real hockey, uh, the puck is a little heavier. The puck weighs about six ounces and it's three inches in diameter. So with that weight in the surface area of the puck, it would require 0.05 for PSI of pressure, which is more than the plastic one, obviously, but still not like a lot of pressure it'd be pretty easy to achieve a floating real puck in hockey so it's easy to do we can do it the harder part is replacing the ice skating for the players because i guess technically you can according to the science you can make the players do the same thing that the puck is doing but like balance becomes an issue because you're like shifting your weight and everything so if you're gliding around the air is going to act differently on you in different ways Um, so that's a little trickier but it's a lot easier instead of making someone glide to make someone float. So we actually do this already with indoor skydiving places. So like there are places if you want to go skydiving, but you don't want to jump out of a plane, then you can go to these places and they just put you in a giant air tunnel. They blow a bunch of wind up at you and then you float above the ground and it feels like you're skydiving. And I've actually watched a bunch of videos of people doing this and like moving around and the motions that they're doing actually do remind me a lot of skating. Like it it looked very figure skate-esque in the way that they moved. It was very elegant and like floaty and it just looked very similar. Maybe we'll end up being like in a training montage in this new series. Like, ooh, hockey's just like skydiving. (laughs) All you kids who have, I don't know, experienced skydiving. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. So yeah, I, I think this wind skating or air skating thing is a good it it, it can work as a substitute for ice skating so if we're going to use this indoor skydiving thing as a substitute for an ice rink we need to find a big one so what is the largest one the largest one is in abu dhabi it is made by a company called climb spelled with a y instead of an i because that's the cool way to do it so the standard wind tunnel is is usually around 14 feet in diameter and it uses four fans but climbs wind tunnel uses 16 fans it is 32 feet in diameter and it's 104 feet high and then like all the other wind tunnels it maintains a wind speed of around 120 miles per hour which is they do that to match like the terminal velocity of a person because if you think about it that's basically what we want is the terminal velocity is when the air resistance matches the the weight of the person so that there's no more like acceleration and that's exactly what we want so that those are the wind speeds 120 miles per hour now, there are two problems with this 
if we want to play hockey. The first one is that, yes, that's enough wind to to push our puck up, but it's going to push our puck way, way up. I was going to mention it if it didn't come up. That yeah. If you increase the wind speed for people, you're going to have to worry about the puck. Yeah, the puck is just going to be on the ceiling, basically. And it's probably not going to glide anymore. It's probably just going to be stuck to the ceiling. <laughs> so you really can't do anything with that. And the second problem is that a hockey rink, the standard hockey rink is 200 feet by 85 feet. And our rink is only 32 feet in diameter. So it's a little smaller than we need to be. And Usually in hockey, you have a total of 12 players on the rink, and you're not going to be able to fit those that amount of players like in a, an air tunnel horizontally, but we can fit them vertically in the air tunnel, and that's what I'm going to do, because I want to maintain the, the 12 players in the, the air rink. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to, instead of playing horizontally, we're going to play vertically, and instead of two goals on either end of the, the rink, or I'm going to call it an air rink. There's just going to be one goal on the floor, and you, the the point of or the way that you score a point is you touch the puck to the floor <laughs> because it's going to naturally get a ceiling. You you're trying to push it down to the floor, so that's what you're going to do on offense. On defense, you're going to try to hit it up to the ceiling, and once defense hits it to the ceiling, then offense and defense will swap, and then the other team will try to get it to the floor, and that's how this will work now it's a little hard to hit a hockey puck especially a three inch diameter hockey puck in the middle of the air like in three-dimensional space so i wanted to have like a wider surface to hit with instead of just like a stick so i was going to use like paddles or something but if you're in an air tunnel the paddles are going to affect the way you're maneuvering because it'll catch the wind and then it'll like make you spin which is not good so um, instead of paddles or stakes, I decided to use badminton rackets. You could use t- tennis rackets as well, but badminton gives you a little more reach, which is kind of more in the spirit of hockey. And then there will also probably be a lot of collisions in the air, but that's kind of what hockey is supposed to be. You're supposed to have collisions. It's a high-contact sport, and like fighting is a thing. So you'll have cool like free-fall fights, like Inception style, which will be cool. And also one dude just frantically hitting a puck over and over and over again with the badminton racket. Yeah, I guess, yeah. If it's a badminton racket, it's going to be bouncing off. I mean, I imagined, like, you'll be sort of pushing it along instead of hitting it, but I guess you could hit it as well. <laughs> Don't take away the mental image of hitting it, like, every two seconds. Like, <laughs> ha, 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 yeah, ha, ha. that's actually better. You're right. So, yeah, that's basically my idea. I had ditched the, the idea of an upside-down hockey thing, but I, instead I turned it vertical which I think is just as good, if not better. And I also kind of ditched the concept, the original concept of making it more accessible because I don't know if this is more accessible than ice skating. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Also, technically, some of it probably will be upside down, I would imagine, just statistically. So you got that yeah, still. some of it. You'll be spinning around and mm-hmm. at some point you'll be upside down. There's not the risk of falling down. Like, it's not like ice skating. Like, ice skating, you fall on your face. Haha, people are, emba- like, you know, embarrassing. But in the in the wind tunnel, you just, I guess, tumble weirdly if anything it's a risk of falling up yeah you'll fall up (laughs) and i actually kind of feel like even though it is less accessible i feel more inclined to try to learn skydiving indoor skydiving than i do ice skating and i think i would might try to learn this sport if it existed so that's a plus and i that's a win in my book i have improved hockey ben what did you do 
So I I am a pretty big hockey fan. Less than I used to be, but I still definitely enjoy watching it. And I, when I start, sat down and started looking at this answer, I started thinking about the things that I enjoy most in a hockey game. And to me, the most exciting parts of hockey are when the number of skaters for each team doesn't match up. So this happens one of two ways, right? There's either when one team gets a penalty, the guy who committed it gets to go into a little box of shame for two to five minutes, depending on how bad a penalty was. And the other team, you know, will outnumber the team who, who has the penalty currently uh, for that amount of time. Or at the end of the game, you can technically at any time during a hockey game replace your goalie with another skater and have six skaters on the ice to your opponent's five. Obviously, then there's no one in goal, but you can do it if, you know, at the end of the game, you're down by one, you need one goal to tie it or whatever. It's an option. So my question was, how do we get this situation in hockey more, where we have this sort of scramble because one team has more dudes out than the other one? More litigious rules. Well, actually, no. And the answer is... (laughs) Less rules. Is that not your fun answer? We remove a very key rule, which is that you can only replace your goalie with one skater. You can't go the other direction. So what if at any time you could have, I still want to keep it to six players on each team because that's kind of how hockey is like scaled for. But what if at any time you could have any combination of six skaters and goalies on the ice? So my first question was, has this ever been done before? And as far as I can tell, it's happened at least twice. First... Uh, they were both in high school hockey games. One was in 1965 in a Rhode Island high school hockey game, where I, the only like reference to it I could find was in an article written by the coach when he was retiring, where he mentioned that he used two goalies against this really good team in 1965, and apparently like the the star player on on the uh, other team won the opening faceoff, went around a defender, picked out the first goalie, and then looked up and saw a second goalie and got a shot blocked, which is hilarious. But I couldn't find any other reference to it, so <laughs> may or may not have actually happened, but at least he thinks it did. I also couldn't find any other information on the game, so who knows? That's a bummer because you would think. I I just want to know if, if like. And, and maybe you're about to answer this question, but do two goalies fill up the whole net? So I think what they were doing was they had one in front of the other one, <laughs> which seems counterintuitive to me. But I mean, the, the a hockey goal isn't that big. So I, I kind of get the idea that like, I don't know. It, it seems like it's not the best idea, but who knows? I also don't know if they won the game or anything. I have no more information. There is one instance I have more information on, though, which was in 2015. There was a New Jersey high school hockey game between a sort of like bad team and then one of the best teams in the state. And the bad team's coach actually tried to opt out of the game. The conference lets them just like mutually agree not to play if they want to. But the good team just wanted to beat them anyway for some reason. And the coach of the bad team had actually read in a book about this 1965 instance and said, well, we're going to lose. Maybe this will help us win. They might might let us do it, but we may as well try. So he got his team to buy in and they lined up with two goalies and everyone was like, well, clearly you can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) He did say partially it was trying to win. Partially it was also kind of a protest measure saying like, you know, why do they want to do this if they're not going to, you know, let us bow out of this? Like we're not going to, you know, I'm not going to say not take it seriously, but you know, we're going to make it known that we don't particularly think this is fair. So the refs did find a rule that prohibited it and they started with a game penalty. I wish I could say that the bad team then like, was inspired and and rallied and won and the crazy awesome underdog story but they lost 10 to nothing they might have been mercy ruled because it was 10 nothing at the end of the second period and then it showed no goals in the third so they may have just actually literally called the game basically because it was so bad 
there's a point there's a point where you have to like even if there's no mercy rule available like we just right. have to slow down yeah. the goals because nobody's having fun anymore they could come back you never know they could who knows I was laughing because I looked up, I was actually able to find more information on this game, and the bad team only had five shots on goal, which really calls into question what their plan was if they only had four skaters, but who knows. Once again, this is definitively not allowed in any kind of hockey currently having multiple goalies, but it has been attempted at least twice, as far as I can tell. So if we're going to do this, we're going to you know change the rules and make this actually happen. Um, we're going to have to make some changes to the rules aside from just allowing you to have multiple goalies. The biggest one being we needed a reason to have multiple goalies. So we're going to have to make the net bigger, which, by the way, quick aside, if you want to actually make hockey better in real life, make the nets bigger. Goalies are too big. <laughs> That's the problem. You can fix everything. Anyway. They did that already. No, they didn't. I don't think so. Did they? No. They did. Like like a decade ago, they did it. I thought they... It was a big hubble blue. Yeah. I know they've shrunk pads before. I didn't think they are actually adjusted the net size. Increases net size. I know that they've they've limited pad size on players. I didn't think they'd increase the net size. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I could be wrong. I mean, I was I was like you know a young teen, if that, during this time. But I think it was a couple of years before hockey took the year off. They were looking to make games more exciting because there's too many just like two on games. So they're like, let's make the nets bigger. And now there's like, you know, a bunch of 5-3 games, which are a lot more exciting. Maybe they did. Regardless, currently it's six feet wide and four feet tall. And it's pretty easy for a goalie to um, fill all that with their body. So if we're going to incentivize multiple goalies, because obviously we don't want to just have, you know, the idea is to get out of just, you know, one goalie, five skaters. First off, I think we should make the nets a little bit higher. I'm going to say five feet high, because that way they can't get down as low and like still protect horizontally. And I think our goal here, I think you want to balance it for having half skaters and half goalies. So my assumption is that if you make the, you know, the goal roughly three times wider, that gives you about the same, you know, goal coverage you need to account for with your goalies. Where conceivably you could have two really good goalies and get away with it, but most of the time you'll probably need three. So if that happens, we have a net that's 18 feet wide and five feet tall. And this actually kind of works. NHL rink is 85 feet wide, so technically you could do this. You could even, if you wanted to, international rinks are wider. They're like 98 feet wide. If you need a little more breathing room. Which, by the way, I never got over the fact that NHL rinks are randomly smaller than everywhere else in the world. I couldn't find a good reason why that is. The one explanation I found just said that the reason is that in America, the unit of measurement is a foot. Which, that's not an explanation. That's just saying that we measure things differently. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> but I had this whole plan for, like, either making the rink bigger or, like, curving the net so you, you know, you have more, quote-unquote, surface area without having to be as wide. But I think it just works, actually, if you make the net wider. So, let's say we do that. We have our 18-foot wide, wide nets. You can put as many goalies out as you want. Why is this better? So, there are a few reasons. One, it's going to be super awkward for the goalies. Because they're going to all be like, you know, lunging around to make saves and like running into each other and toppling over. It's going to be great. So that'll just be funny on its own. They'll get higher scoring games because of that. Because, you know, the goalies are going to be very, you know, it's going to be complicated for them. I always really enjoy watching the goalies when they are, you know, pulling the goalie. Have to run to the, uh, the side to get out. And now you'll get this happening a lot more and with multiple goalies at once, which is very funny. And maybe most importantly... I know Chris mentioned, of course, that there is fighting in hockey. And there's nothing funnier than when goalies fight. 
And now you just statistically are much more <laughs> likely to get goalie fights just all the time because there's more goalies. How many times have goalies fought? So usually what happens is if you, well, one, there are some very angry goalies. I can't remember the one in particular, but there is, <laughs> there is one First goalie off, have you seen these goalies? In, in particular who just would go out and like, like beat the crap out of people. There's like a very iconic shot of him just like trucking a dude. But the bigger one is um, if there's, you know, like the entire team start fighting, everyone kind of pairs off. The goalies kind of go to each other just because you have to be looking like you're fighting someone, but they don't actually want to fight someone. So they kind of just go and like hold each other's jerseys and start holding each other slowly. <laughs> but with more goalies, maybe you'll get more actual goalie fights. And that's just fun. And on top of that, you'll get some really interesting like team building stuff where if you do have a couple of really good goalies, you can try to get away with, you know, outnumbering your opponent and stuff like that. So I think you'll provide a lot of variety in the way that you have to do, you know, your strategic decision making. And also, yes, it's just funny watching people on goalie pads try to do things. So you'll get a lot more of that. So that's kind of my plan is just, I guess, more goalies, more goal. If I were going to boil it down. I like it. Yeah, it works. And now I just want to Google and I'm, I'm really fighting the urge to just Google goalie fights while we're recording our podcast. Oh, I will. I will look up the good one and drop the like what to put on youtube to see it because it's very very good yeah the only, the only reason i'm not doing it is literally because i'm about to start my answer exactly so why don't you do that and i will find it yeah so it took me a while to figure out what to do with hockey like when i when i was doing like baseball and stuff there's problems with the game they're like i need to fix these problems and just take it from there i pretty much like hockey like i, I think it works pretty good as a sport but the one thing i notice is like it's broken up into three periods and i realize I never, I end up not caring about, like, the second period at all, or, like, the first half of the third period. Like, the, the whole middle chunk of hockey, I kind of just, like, it's really exciting in the beginning, and then it's just a lot of the same for a bit, and then you want to see who wins, so you, you tune at the end. But I realize, like, as exciting as hockey is, it's still an hour of watching people move around the ice, and especially in person, like, the visuals, it's a little hard to follow what's going on, so you, you, you can kind of zone out. And then my brain decided to connect some neurons that didn't need to be connected. And I was like, oh, well, there's three periods. Ice is the cool part of hockey. There's also three phases of water. I'm not counting plasma. You can't play plasma hockey. <laughs> Although, now I think about it, maybe I really should have tried to make plasma hockey now that I said it out loud. <laughs> there's three periods and three phases of the water. First period, ice. Like I said, works pretty good as is. I'm really not going to mess with period one. We're going to have a good old-fashioned hockey game. So the first period is just going to be normal hockey. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to totally ruin... Plus, you know, you got professionals here. You don't want them to have wasted all that time learning how to play this hockey once we improve their sport. They'll have to learn the second next two periods, but they, they have the first one down. They don't have to learn anything new for that. Second period is water. Now, Chris, it's funny you mentioned the, the underwater hockey of them playing, like, on the bottom of the ice. Because I did similar Googling and found a, like, a different version of underwater hockey. And this one is a actually like a legitimate sport first popularized in the uk's around the 50s uh it's also known as octopush which made me absolutely 100 need to put it in my answer <laughs> i like that name yeah it's pretty cool it's an awesome name mostly because i love octopuses but anyway this game basically the way underwater hockey works it is played in a swimming pool and it's not just water polo or any of those games because the puck is still a hockey puck it still sinks to the bottom of the pool and the way, and then players actually will dive down to the bottom of the pool, and they have like a little single-handed stick. It's like a, it's like a little banana-shaped stick um, that's like 
maybe like maybe a foot and a half long. Like it's not very big, but you have that, and you dive down to the bottom of the pool and just try to push the puck in the direction that it wants to go. There's a, there's like a goal, quote unquote, at the bottom of the pool. It's like looks like a bit of a like a sheet metal angle almost. And so there's kind of this long line that you can push the puck into to score. There's no actual goalies. But that's basically how it works. Also, players get scuba masks and flippers, which is interesting. I guess the flippers make sense to me. The scuba masks make a little bit less sense. I guess you are, like, watching the game happen and then and then decide to dive down. I generally like this concept quite a bit, so I don't want to mess with it too much. Because, again, it's just another good sport. And if we're really trying to improve things, I don't want to take it completely off the rails. Because, I mean, that's not what we do here. And I, like I said, I like the concept. It, it definitely fits like the kind of the harsh physicality of hockey, um, because from the footage I saw of the game, there is actually quite a bit of people just like pushing each other around underwater. And as I was reading about like you know the safety of it, it's like yeah, you know, there's a risk of like concussion, but there's a lot of players and refs, so you know if someone gets knocked unconscious underwater, there's a good chance they'll be rescued very quickly. What is it about games and pools that turn people into just like? madmen i don't understand because water polo is the same way you know what i think it is i think it's when you're in a pool when you're swimming you have to literally just be punching and kicking constantly so like that, that's just, true you can't stop it's not even it's not even intent it's just you're always kicking everybody was kung fu fighting yeah to stay afloat but, but i'm gonna change a couple things first off you, you should get a goalie in there it's kind of anticlimactic to just watch someone push a little puck like over a line and no one's like actually directly stopping it the thing is the way i see it is it shouldn't be too hard goalies already have so much equipment they're wearing i don't think they would even notice if you added a scuba tank to their like ensemble so all the other players are still in the in the flippers and this in the scuba mask but there's one goalie on each side who was full-on scuba geared like weighted down onto the floor watching this all happen he's he's the defense i mean there's gonna be professionals they'll be they'll be much better at scoring and then the other thing, what I, what I realize is I think a really important part of hockey is that playing hockey is really intense. Like, as far as sports go, it's like football and hockey, I think, are the two most, like, explosive sports that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there's plenty more. But the underappreciated thing of hockey is the line shifts. Because I do like that you you have to have, like, a whole team. Like, there's six people on the ice, but there's you have a roster of, like, 20. And people come in and out, like constantly all the time all the time and there's actually some strategic depth in when you switch them and all that yeah it's it's crazy that like no one is on the ice for more than about you know like 45 seconds to a minute at a time because they're going flat out the entire time it's ridiculous yeah exactly so i want to keep that in so in my version of underwater hockey players dive in and they get one breath of playing they get to go underwater one time and once they have to go up and resurface they have to tag out and i think you could even add some extra um awesomeness by just Instead of just people diving in from the edge of the pool, you just add some diving boards like at periodic distances and heights so that, you know, people joining in the game from the line change are like full on like swan diving into the pool to like get the depth and, you know, keep up with the action. Because that would be sick. People are going to get hurt. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> Lots of injuries. But that's the second period. The second period, we're taking underwater hockey, sp spicing it up a little bit. The third period is steam. And this one was a bit trickier because I started, I actually started where you were, Chris, with, uh, with air hockey. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, that I envisioned just all the steam coming up from the ground and that would be awesome. And then I realized it's probably like not a good idea to blow scalding hot steam straight up. Also, it didn't like make my game very exciting. So I, I kind of stepped away from there. I'm like, well, it doesn't have to be like 
you're on Steam or flying around on Steam. You can just be using Steam and it can still count. So I switched over to looking at Steam parentheses punk hockey. Marcus, Marcus, Steampunk is right there. <laughs> Steampunk. Damn it. Third period is called Steampunk. <laughs> Um, so I was like, okay, can we use some cool steam driven, like tech to like get this hockey game, like amped up. And first and foremost was, I was like, oh yes, look at this. Here is a badass looking steam powered motorcycle. So this was created by hobbyist Van Twiel. It is called the black pearl. And you know, it's got all the steampunk looking bits and pipes and stuff. And like the main body of it is like two, like that look like train, you know, steam tanks, like black cylinders, you know, horizontal stacked on top of each other. And I'm like, oh yeah, a bunch of these is going to be awesome. So I'm watching this video and like the, they finally get like four minutes in, they finally get to the guy like taking off, you know, driving off with it. And he kind of kicks off to get going and then just kind of doesn't get any faster uh, and it turns out a steam-powered motorcycle has a top speed of five miles an hour, <laughs> which is like a brisk walk. <laughs> like if that. And I couldn't find any faster steam-powered motorcycles because even the this one that was going just made like an obnoxious amount of like noise and banging from the pistons and everything. And I'm like, damn it. And then I was looking for like you know the the TM steampuck like devices. Like could you have like a hydraulic like stick that like shot the puck out but all the all like the steampunk gadgets work through electricity and it's not interesting to me to have like you know a steam engine in the back generate electricity and then you just have electrical devices that's not what i'm going for so i ended up abandoning steampunk game and i what i settled for which i am pretty happy with is I, what i've what i've dubbed just steamy hockey and it's basically gonna be the opposite of the first period it's gonna be hot uh instead of cold and no one's gonna and be able to see <laughs> <laughs> the idea is you have a heated concrete rink and the puck will be encased in ice. Um, so what you effectively have is like sauna stones that like this puck gets dropped. It's got this ice all around it and immediately just starts steaming. And now there's like this weird clock going on because as the puck moves around the rink, one, it'll be, you know, generating steam for all the cool visuals and making it a little bit harder to see. But also the the effectively the puck will be shrinking as the time goes on. So, you know, if you, if you just win the face-off and, you know, you t you, in three seconds you take a shot net, there's a big old ice ball that the goalie's going to have a much easier time stopping. And so it'll create this tension around the, the key moments will be when the ice melts around the puck to, you know, be now, like, a thing you can actually shoot into, you know, past somebody. But it doesn't feel like that would be that much steam going around. Like, you know, it's just the one puck. So I figured we could use some more steam. Um, and I wanted to keep the, the line shifts included in this period as well. So I've decided I'm going to make it roller hockey because you do you do want to have the skating on the on the rink. But the wheels on the roller skates will also be ice. Oh, God. So reverse ice skates. <laughs> yes, the reverse ice skates where the ice is on the skate <laughs> instead of the other way around. This is going to give you the, one of the incentive to keep moving um, so your skates don't flatten on one side. <laughs> <laughs> and to... It also gives you kind of this tricky timer to track where you have like your 45 seconds to a minute, but you have to be very careful because if you overextend your, you know, if you overstay your welcome, it's not just your energy level. You might also get like not stranded, but stuck in the middle of the ring with no skates. And then you have to like hobble slowly out back towards the <laughs> side. And that's like, that's like effectively like a 30 second power play right there. Plus it's going to look pretty badass to have like 
steam shooting up from behind people as they like pass like you know all these lines of steam going around and then kind of i like where it's going i just need to add like the goalie because i need to put the goalie in it's going to be pretty hot for the goalie they're not going to obviously they're not going to have ice skates because they would just they need to stay in goal they can't line shift very you know it doesn't make any sense for them to line shift and then i was thinking about it being hot for them and realized they have a good um strategy that's not used in the main hockey but they do have access to them. I always felt a little bit weird, is they got their water bottle on top of their net. <laughs> so you can use your water bottle to create a smoke screen if you need to. You can you can or you can choose to either hydrate or or create a smoke screen in front of the goal when there's a uh, when the opposing team's coming on. So the goalie gets some strategic options in the third period. And uh that's my perfect hockey game. You use all three phases of water and then you know tune in for the update where I do plasma hockey at the end. <laughs> I like it. I also like, I know this is a little different from what you did, but I like the concept of like it's starting as ice and then like it's heated from the bottom. It just gradually melts into a pool and then it gradually steams throughout the game and then the game just ends when there's no more water. <laughs> That's we're going to play until we're out of water. Yeah. Realistically, I think you could not have all of these in the same arena and you would have three separate rinks, which means you could fit three times the crowd. But they'll get one third. They only experience. see a third of the game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's what I got. And with that, I think we can move into our "Would you rather" round question. Not really. <laughs> our "Would you rather" period of the show. Ben. Yes. Are you ready for a "Would you rather" question? I am. Would you rather always be twenty minutes late or two hours early? Two hours? Oh, man. Ooh. Oh. So both of these present very different scheduling concerns. Because what I immediately realized that if you are two hours early to everything, if you have something else within two hours of an event, you can't actually attend the first event. Yeah, it very much limits how much you can schedule in a day. Mm-hmm. Likewise, being 20 minutes late to everything will eventually very much limit how much you can schedule in the day because people will just stop scheduling you for things. <laughs> right. Also, you can't schedule for anything that is less than a 20-minute window. Also that. That is true. For example, I could not attend a house showing because there's, those are only 15-minute time frames. So I guess, I guess it's kind of like a, a messing up big things versus messing up small things problem. Because if you're always going to be 20 minutes late, you can't, like, take a plane anywhere. You probably are going to have some trouble holding down a job. You're going to have to be, like, a freelancer. And even that might be tricky for a lot of things. Yeah, a lot of the small things, it doesn't really matter if you're 20 minutes late. But there are a few big things. Yeah. Where 20 minutes makes a big difference. It's probably pretty perfect for going to the movies, actually. Yeah. <laughs> 20 minutes of trailers. Yeah, there you go. You'll never see any movie trailers. It's very unfortunate. It's Yeah, it's it's... Weird too, like as far as holding down a job, because obviously twenty minutes late is just is just the right amount of time for it to be like noticed and not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you yeah. look irresponsible, but it's still like sort of like they'll tolerate it. Yeah, like as someone who was late to things, oftentimes like first five minutes, whatever, no one cares. Ten minutes late is like, hey, sorry, I'm late, and then it's you know it's water under the bridge. 15 you gotta already make a story but it's after the 15 minute mark where people are like oh i guess he's not showing up alternatively if you show up to a meeting room two hours early and then people are like where is he (laughs) 
Oh, with with either of these, you cannot do any <laughs> job that requires actually going to meetings. <laughs> it's just not going to work. Yeah, it's 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 less about I think it's less about picking one of these and more about finding something like a lifestyle that has very few deadlines to fuck up. Right. And then be 2 hours early to those. I do think like there are non-job related things that everyone has to deal with though that like Ben mentioned like getting on a flight or something or mm-hmm some of the more important things that you can't really work around that it's important that you're early. Actually, a pilot might be like, a pilot would be the best if you're two hours early. I would be so happy if my plane arrived two hours early. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Is that how it works? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, actually, actually, here's here's what you do. You pick the two hour early one and you become an EMT. (laughs) You just like show up at a dude's house and just like, hey, it's like, what are you doing here? You're gonna need me in two hours. <laughs> I was I was gonna say I was gonna say be like like a trucker or something, and you're always there two hours early. Like, wow, that guy is great. But yours also works. It's like you're like the harbinger of terrible things, though. <laughs> Eventually, it's like that. Um, oh, what was it? It was it was a cat in a in a in a retirement home named Oscar. I've talked about it once before on the show, but it was a cat that would just like always you know had a habit of going to the elderly on their last day it's like it was like it was like an, an antisocial cat but if someone was like about to pass away the cat would always be there like in the day or two like you know or the day of a couple hours early to the point where like the nurses and the doctor would actually like call the family when the cat like started laying down on somebody because it was like hey it's not explained but you might want to get down here <laughs> our cat has a feeling <laughs> yeah i th- th- I, I can't get my head around the logistics at the moment. I I gotta pick up two hours early, and I like my I like my EMT joke. I mean, I'm not, it probably doesn't automatically work like that, but you can work with that if you set minimal deadlines. I think. I feel like you have to. So Ben, you're also picking two hours early. I'm trying to figure out any way I can not pick two hours early. <laughs> I just don't think it's it's like sustainable. So if you show up two hours early, does that mean that you can't like do anything else while you're waiting? Yeah, let's say it's yeah, it's wasted time. You can't do you can't stack them. You can't be you know stagger two hours early so that you're using those two hours to do other things that you're too you are too early. See, that makes a big difference to me because then that's like a lot of wasted time. If you're two hours, if you're two twenty minutes late, presumably you're doing something else during those twenty minutes. So you're not wasting the time. You're just you can do idle stuff. Like you can't do anything related to like. You could prepare for your meeting, I think. You could, like, prepare. If you're going to a meeting, you prepare for your meeting. Or if you're, you can do, like. I, mean, I think you can do non-scheduled things as long as you're still there waiting. Like, if you had a laptop, you could, like, you know, do your work while waiting. Okay, so you're just working in a different location. Yeah. So I think you can make it work. Yeah. The 20 minutes late doesn't work. Just, not like, never mind just, like, the, it's the, the stigma that being late is horrible. I call it stigma. You shouldn't be late to things. It's it's not good. Right. This is not an. Ex- this is the, we do not give you permission to be twenty minutes late to everything that you do from the podcast. But like online stuff that has like cutoff deadlines, like oh, can you turn in a modern homework assignment? You can't do it. Yeah. Send in your taxes. Can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> twenty minutes late on taxes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I I think it's I think it's it's pretty clear to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and um, stamp in two hours early. I will also, I will do the same. Yeah, I was originally leaning towards 20 minutes late, but if we're saying that you can still work on other stuff while you're waiting for those two hours, then I also agree two hours early is better. 
what is tough is that if you have something scheduled in two hours and something else scheduled an hour after that, you have to go wait for the first thing for an hour and then go to wait for the second thing. And that's really awkward. Does that mean you have to leave your meeting early? Uh, you probably actually don't even get to the meeting. Yeah, like if you... So there you have it. Uh, um... Okay, never mind. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to continue <laughs> the conversation, more? but I think we already finished it. <laughs> I thought we all voted. Yeah. I just thought of a different thing, but whatever. You can tell. Say, go for what it. is it, yeah. Chris? Well, I was going to say that we're saying like being late is irresponsible to a meeting, but if you have two meetings back to back and you need to be early to the second meeting, then you have to leave the first meeting early. That is also irresponsible. You can schedule around that, though. I like it. Still means that you can you can schedule things that are important. Whereas with the twenty minutes late thing, it's kind of hard. Yeah, I mean, I don't change my answer. I still, I'm still two hours early. Sounds good. Something that you can be two hours early to, or twenty minutes late to. There's actually not a deadline. Is signing up for our Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com/absurdhypotheticals. Just for a single dollar, you get access to all our bonus content that we create each month, specifically and exclusively for our patrons. And we do lots of cool stuff in there. Talk about we've talked about making the show. We, we, we're doing some, uh, some more casual like fireside chats now. And I think on our next one, we actually live right before this recording came up with probably a, a, an answer that's better than all the things we talked about today. Where the the best way to improve hockey is to add like a 20 degree incline in one direction and just let hilarity ensue. And I think we are going to talk about that a bit in our Patreon episode uh, this month. So if you want to check that out and hear about a fourth brand of hockey and maybe plasma hockey, maybe I get frisky and look into that as well. <laughs> we always, we always say we're going to do extra research and then we don't. So don't make that promise. <laughs> no, we very rarely have promised extra to do extra research and, and, and put it on our Patreon episode. And we, we have done additional content like that before on the, on it. So I legitimately intend to do the, 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 the slanty hockey is one that's actually going to happen. Yeah. This ain't just, em- this ain't empty promises here. We're asking people for real singular dollars. Also, we made a promise that we were gonna we were gonna say a link to the the goalie fighting. Right? Oh yes, we yeah. didn't do that. I can I can try to draw that now, or should we say that for the? Uh, uh, I'll just drop it now. It is the one <laughs> the one you are looking for is uh, Patrick Waugh, spelled Roy, but he's French and he's very angry, so I don't want to piss him off. Patrick Waugh versus Chris Osgood. So it's it's good. It also has maybe the best like they don't pay me enough for this reaction from a referee I have ever seen in anything. It's so good. <laughs> so you don't need the Patreon to become a Patreon for No, that one that one's for free just for you guys. Yeah. But they don't pay us enough to do this podcast, so we would appreciate it if you're uh if you become a patron. We also would appreciate if you join us next week where we answer the following question. What if nothing was transparent? <laughs>